0: Well, we're on our final descent. Uh, If an airplane is coming in for landing, the landing gear comes out. They say, buckle back up and get ready for the the landing. And over the next couple weeks, we're going to finish the book of Mark. Can I get an amen, right? And we've been in it a long time, but it's been great. And I want you to know these last couple weeks... Uh, it's a great conclusion to a great gospel and there's some vivid passages from now to the end and the key character of the hour and really who has been for the entire gospel uh, is Jesus right if you ever ask your kids hey what did you learn in in kids church or in Sunday school they they might say Jesus it's always the right answer right and and it's it's so true Jesus is being highlighted in He's headed to the cross here in a few uh, few hours, and, and our primary focus should be on Jesus, but there's been a few characters in the story that have caught my attention that I wanted to study, and the first one was Judas, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Judas was one of the 12. He was trusted, and we said, on the week that we talked about Judas, we said he was close but not close. He was close to Jesus, but he wasn't close. He was disconnected and, and really uh, didn't believe in who Jesus was. And of course, Judas, is, Judas Iscariot was the one who betrayed Jesus. And it said in that passage, it would have been better if he would have never been born. And we wrestled with the truth of that. And that, the not, that was not only true for Judas, it would be true for any person that does not receive Jesus on this side of eternity. It would have been better if your neighbor or your spouse or your loved one or your schoolmate, your co-worker, it would be better if they would have never been born if they didn't know Jesus. And man, that is sobering. That should challenge us to get busy and to make Jesus famous and to to lift his name up. But there's another challenging character, not only Jesus, but, or Judas, but I also have really honed in on Peter in his story. And in the book of Mark, he is highlighted, especially towards the end here, and that's going to be our focus today in, on his denial. But think about it for Jesus for a second. At this point, in, what we understand is what happened in the book of Mark is he's been betrayed by one of the twelve, that was Judas, 10 of the other 12, they are scattered in the Garden of Gethsemane. They all take off, and Jesus is, is uh, pretty much alone at that point. And by the way, Jesus predicted that that would happen. And then today, we're going to study that Jesus is one of his closest friends, denies him, renounces him, and it leaves Jesus all alone alone. And next week, we're going to look at the trials that he undergoes. And then we'll talk about him being on the cross. And then it's going to be Easter, Resurrection Sunday. And uh, and then we'll close out the book of Mark on the last will offload the plane the week after Easter and that's kind of the plan but today we want to focus on Peter and I want to go back a little earlier uh, and to a passage mark chapter 14 that we've already uh, looked at didn't look at it in depth but starting in mark 14 starting in verse 26 let's look at God's word it says this so oh before this this is the Passovers happen it's the first communion that we just celebrated in our communion time at the Lord's Supper and at Uh, At the end of the first communion, it says, When they sung a hymn, then they went out to the Mount of Olives. That's to the Garden of Gethsemane. And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. And then Peter, everyone say Peter, shaking your head. Peter, right? Then Peter speaks up and says, even though they all fall away, I will not. He's bold. He's confident, probably overconfident because Jesus then said to him, truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But then Peter says emphatically, if I must die with you, Jesus, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. But Peter was the one that said it first. He was over confident. Flip forward a couple uh, verses to Mark 14 verse 66. So now Jesus, they went to the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, That's where uh, they prayed. Then uh, Judas betrays Jesus and the mob comes out to get him. Uh, Jesus is actually taken to the high priest and so he's before the scribes and the elders of the church. And this is the first trial. We're going to actually talk about the trials next week. And it was uh, in a legal trial. It's at night. It should never have happened. Uh, But then we come to uh, verse 66. Peter follows from a distance, and look what it says. And as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. And seeing Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, "'You also were with the Nazarene Jesus.'" And saying the Nazarene there is certainly derogatory when you study that. But Peter denied it. He said, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And he went out into the gateway, and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw him and began again to say to the bystanders, this man is one of them. But again, Peter denied it. And after a little while, the The bystander again said to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. And he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the 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 rooster crowed a second time, and Peter remembered how Jesus had said to him, Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times and he broke down, and he wept. Father, I pray that this story, Peter's life, will become loud and clear. And not only that we would understand it maybe in a better way, but, Lord, that we'd be able to apply what's happening here and understand, Lord, that we all need a restoration, just like Peter did. Use the foolishness of preaching this morning to impact our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Right at the beginning here, I want to give you the punchline. The thing that we want you to walk away with knowing is that we all need a restoration. We all need to be restored at one time or another. And the interesting thing, when I start thinking about restoration projects, my mind goes to the TV shows that take an old car out of a junkyard. They dig it out, and then over time, they take it down to to the frame, and then they put it back together and then they have this beautiful restored car. Or maybe my mind goes to the Fixer Upper. Jessica and I, we watched a lot of Fixer Upper uh, during quarantine and uh, we we watched that they would take an old house that was dilapidated and maybe falling in and they take it down to the studs and then they redo it and make this beautiful new home. They restored it from the inside out. Or maybe you're into flipping flipping. antiques or furniture. And where, where is Ed? Yeah, there's Ed. You and Melissa, this is what you guys do. You take old furniture, you sand it down, you polish it up, and you restore and you make things that were old and once had value that's now old and junky and you bring value back to it. And that's what I think of when I think of restoration. How many of us, though, when we think of restoration projects, How many of our minds go to talk about people? Because that's what God specializes in, the restoration of people. That's what the Lord does. He restores. And the truth is, let's say it together, we all need a restoration. And we want to look at Peter's story to help us understand that. People love to talk about Peter, right? Peter's life. And he actually gets picked on sometimes. And, and, and I'm kind of a big fan of Peter, especially in th- for the fact that uh, that a few years back, I was doing some leadership training, and I took a personality test. And part of this personality test is they, they figured out who in the Bible most represented your personality. And believe it or not, Peter in ben Vey were the most alike when the assessment was done. And there's parts of me that love that, and there's parts of me that really hates that, because I know that Peter, when you study him, he had a lot of ups and a lot of downs. And we're going to look at those. And the thing that is so great about Peter is he's very relatable. He's so human. He's prone to wander and had sin you know, there's certainly sin in his life and isn't that just like all of us right come on it's not just me right but but let's talk about why we love peter so much the reason we love peter so much first is that peter had great faith he was one of the twelve out of all of creation, all of every, every human that was ever created, he was one of the 12 disciples. What an honor. And he was close. And not only was he one of the 12, he was in the top three. You often saw Peter, James, and John, kind of the close-knit crew at the top of the disciples. Peter also had so much faith that he was willing to get out of a boat in the middle of a sea. And it was Peter that walked on water. It was Peter that at the Mount of Transfiguration where Jesus was transfigured, that he was right there in the mix of it. And when Jesus asked the disciples, who do people say that I am? It was Peter who gave the right answer saying, you are the Christ, you are the Messiah. And most recently, he, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Judas came with the betrayer and with the mob crowd, it was Peter who jumped to Jesus' defense in the garden, and took off one of the soldier's ears, Malchus. We don't read about that in Mark, but it's in the other Gospels. And the thing I want you to know is that Peter was tight with Jesus. He had great faith. And if Peter had an Instagram, I mean, it would be blown up. There would be all kinds of followers, right? And all kinds of highlights. And you see that. His resume was full of great faith. But on the same regard, Peter's life was also full of disappointing failures. He was the one that stepped out into the water, but then he took his eyes off Jesus and sank, and Jesus had to save him. On the Mount of Transfiguration, when Peter should have just kept his mouth shut, he was the one asking, hey, let's get a tent, let's live here, let's stay here a while, when he should have just been quiet. And even in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he takes off Malchus, his ear... That bravery was short-lived because he scattered after saying he would never leave Jesus' side. And it's tough. Today's focus is that Jesus or that Peter denies Jesus not once, but three different times. Surprisingly, most of us can relate to him. Am I right? <laughs> Peter needed a restoration just like I need a restoration. The truth is my life has great moments of faith, and boy, you might see those sometimes on Facebook or different, different highlights, but the truth is there are times I've had disappointing failures, bad moments, really bad moments, just like Peter. And I'm wondering for us that are here, those that are online, have you ever ended up where you did not intend to end up? I know I have. Have you ever found yourself in a place where you were in need of restoration? How many times have you and I denied Jesus? You didn't stand up for your faith. You just got small or got quiet or didn't speak up. How many times have you and I lost opportunities to share the gospel? We all probably have. How often have you talked when you should have been quiet? How many times were you arguing when you should have just obeyed? How many times were you asleep when you should have been praying? Or thought when you should have just submitted just like Peter? The truth is, let's say it again, Peter needed restoration just like I do, just like you do. In our lives, we hate to admit it, are are, at times contextualized, that it depends on the context of where we are. It depends on how bold we are and how much we stand for Jesus. In one setting, we might be one way. In another setting, we might be totally different. Let me give you a couple examples at home. You might be solid and you are saying, hey, we're going to live for Christ in our home, but then you go to work and maybe you're not so bold. Maybe you waver a little bit. You show up to church and your family looks great and, you know, picture perfect. Like, man, they're a solid family. They're doing great. But then you show up at the gym or at the club or in some sort of community and you're not so bold and you waver in your faith. Or students that are here, uh, you maybe you show up to youth group and you're like, hey, I'm all in. I, I'm serving Jesus. And maybe you're even worshiping or come to the altar. And then at school, you get real quiet and You're just like Peter. You deny that you even know Jesus. When you think of restoration projects, I think of a car that looks pretty good on the outside that's rusting from the inside out. You can't see it yet, but when you contextualize your relationship with the Lord, it's kind of like that. You're double-minded, unstable, and when crisis comes, what happens? We falter. We've got to ask ourselves, in what areas of our lives or what people that are around us, uh, where do we deny or where are we ashamed of Jesus? Where are we ashamed of being a follower of Jesus? And then why is that? Why don't we stand up? Is it self-preservation? Or is there a lack of confidence, maybe boldness? Or maybe there's some brokenness that we haven't dealt with. Or maybe there's some sin in our lives. And maybe it's a holiness issue. And, and maybe you're saying, man, the people at work, they know me uh, too well. If I get too vocal about Jesus, they'll call me a hypocrite, Right? And you say, I don't want to be a Pharisee. Or maybe we think if we were more outspoken about our faith that people would eat us alive. Or maybe you think that you would lose your sale uh, in your work situation. Or maybe you would lose friends at school. And what happens is these types of situations happen. We get quiet like Peter did, and we end up like Peter. Am I right? We end up in need of a restoration. At the end of the story, I read it in verse 72, we know that Jesus, it denies, or I mean Peter denies Jesus three times, the rooster crows for a second time, and at the very end of chapter 14, and that means we're going into 15 next week, everybody say amen to that, but uh, we, it says that he broke down and he wept, and it's a sobering thought, Peter's thinking to himself, I guess I'm not who I thought I was. How many of you have ever with me been in a situation like that? But there's something that caught my attention in this last couple weeks. The story of Judas put up against the story of Peter. They both failed miserably, and we see it, and we've talked about it. But their response was different. They both messed up, but for Judas, his sin led to remorse. We know that he was sad about it. He took the money that he had gained. He took it back to and he threw it back at him. And he and we don't know. We know he took his life, and that's what, what ended up. So he didn't have a recovery story. Uh, but it proved that he loved himself more than he loved Jesus. At least that's what it, it appears. But on the other hand, Peter, he was sad. His sin led to repentance. So remorse, just feeling bad, and repentance is different. And he proved that he really did love Jesus. And his recovery, his next chapter of of Peter's life, is seen in John John chapter 21. Because Peter repented, it allowed john 21 to occur you say well what happened in john 20 21 well jesus could have just dismissed peter and say man i'm mad at peter i don't want anything to do with peter he denied me three times but instead in john chapter 21 we see that jesus makes breakfast for peter pretty awesome peter had repented but he felt like it was over he felt like he had really messed up. He went back to fishing, which was an old lifestyle. It was his old job. And it, and it really depicts going back to old habits. How many times have you slipped back into old patterns and destructive behaviors? And the thing is, when that happens, oftentimes we don't go alone. G, uh, Peter didn't go alone either. He took other disciples with him. And they are out there. They, they don't catch a thing. And it's insult to injury, right? Peter is shaken to the core at this point. He is rattled for sure, but Jesus wanted a relationship with Peter. And so Jesus comes on the scene. He loves Peter and he has this deep, this divine love. And what is Jesus thinking about? He's not thinking about the past denial. Jesus is thinking about restoration. Everybody say restoration. And today, there are some that might be here, maybe you're online, that have faced failure. Maybe you've turned away. Maybe you've denied Jesus. And what Jesus is thinking, he's thinking about restoration. Some are not walking with the Lord. Maybe your ups and downs, it's like this daily uh, you know, yo-yo of a life. But Jesus is thinking about restoration. Some of you know what Jesus has said to do, and you just have not obeyed. Others, are, they think that God does not want anything to do with them because the devil has got a hold and has duped you, and the truth is that none of that is true. Some of you think that God might be mad at you or that you're feeling separated or distant from God, and you have to hear this loud and clear again that none of that. Is true. What is Jesus thinking about? He's thinking about restoration. Jesus is here and he wants to be a part of your restoration. I think the reason we love to study Peter so much is because we watch Peter's life get turned inside out. It's a story of restoration. Three times in the garden, Peter is sleeping. Three times Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? In John chapter 21. It's a story of restoration. A church hero, one of the original, the OG disciples, right, has been restored. And then Peter goes on to impact the world. You can read about it in the book of Acts and through the rest of the New Testament. And I love that Peter never turns and blames one of the other disciples or never blames uh, his parents or the teachers of the law or he doesn't blame his friends. Instead, what do we see Peter do? We see Peter cry out to Jesus. And I just know that God loves it when his children, when we cry out to him as well, and the truth is, and this is where we're going to land for this morning, is that when we cry out to Jesus, our failure, no matter what it is, is not final, and the reason is because we serve a God that restores. I want to just land on this idea of crying out to the Lord when we make mistakes, We've all been there. There's, we've all had ups and downs. And life is tough. And sometimes uh, we get caught up and we get duped and, and uh, we end up straying or turning away. And I don't know where everyone is today, but I do know this, that Jesus, just like he pursued Peter, he pursues each and every one of us. And he's wanting to restore your relationship. I'm going to ask the worship team to join me. There's a song we want to uh, bring for a, uh, for a response. The song is called Have It All. And there's a portion of this song that says, There's no greater call than giving you my all. And I love that because there's this idea that we, when we turn to God, uh, He takes us right where we are and, and He restores us. And there's, there's a restoring aspect to the song. And this morning, as we experience this and as we respond, I'm just curious how many of us here are in need of restoration this morning. Maybe you've come today and you just barely made it here. Maybe your walk with the Lord is faltering or maybe it's non-existent or maybe you at one point you you maybe prayed a sinner's prayer but but today the truth is you feel like you've denied Christ or you've betrayed him in some way. And the truth is is We can either be a Judas where we have remorse, we feel bad about it, but then we don't do anything about that, or we could be like Peter and we could repent. And this morning is a call to repentance. I'm going to ask that you stand right where you are, and I'm going to ask that you just close your eyes, and this is a moment between you and your Heavenly Father, Jesus. I'm going to ask that no one looks around. Again, this is an intimate moment. I'm curious how many here in this moment would say, Pastor, if I'm honest, today I need that restoration. I need it. Would you just slip up your hand? Yeah, absolutely. Lots and lots of hands. Once your hand's up, you can put it back down. Anyone else saying, man, that's where I am today. Hands all over, and I get that. And there have been moments, even as a pastor, I've showed up to church on Sunday feeling like I needed a restoration. And I know what it feels like. And the thing is, we can feel bad about it and do nothing, or we can repent, and the Lord, He can clean us up and He can restore us. See, I don't know if we who's on the slides back there, is that James? Can you go back to that original car picture? Between services, I was talking with a couple guys that love cars, and and uh, they're saying that one someone was actually Richard Shadell, one of our new members. Uh, this week, he's tearing apart uh, a car and getting rid of some rust, and then doing some work on it. But what what's neat about this is you take an old car, and you don't just put a new cover on it. You you take it down to the to the core, to where it just to the frame, and then you sand it and then you powder coat it and then you start to rebuild and sometimes you need new new equipment or new brakes or or, or new things and it, it, a new car or a restored car doesn't just happen overnight it takes time and in what the lord i just feel like he wants to say in your life for this morning is it starts with repentance saying i'm sorry it starts with a 180 degree, you're going this way and you need to be going towards the Lord and there were a lot of hands and so this morning as we sing this song, Have It All I want you to give it all, to understand that it starts here the restoration starts now and for those of you that are feeling pretty good today there will be a moment in your near future just it's human nature, where we'll need to be restored as well So let's sing this together. Lord, I thank you for this morning. You can go ahead, Pastor Bobby. Thank you for what you're doing. God, capture our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I've asked one of our elders to pray, uh, to just make himself available. I'm going to encourage you if you're sensing uh, that you're wanting to just. Be restored. I know there are a ton of hands. I just want to encourage you to come forward and uh, to spend some time with the Lord this morning. We've got time. It's just noon right now. Let's just linger a few more moments. The Lord is doing a great and mighty work. I, I really sense that. Uh, it's a call to repentance this morning, uh, number one. But then I want to add one more small portion uh, for the for for all of us. And I want you to think about Easter just a few weeks away. And I want you to think about restoration happening in your life and your story making the difference in someone else's life. Your story bringing someone else to a place where they realize that they need to be restored. And I want to just ask a bold question. If you're too embarrassed to bring someone to church or to speak about Jesus at school or to talk about the Lord at work or even in your family, what's going on in your life? Is it a holiness thing? Say, man, my life it's, you know, not evenly, you know, I, I, I might look this way, but there's there's cancer, there's rust hidden. Is it a boldness thing? No matter what, I want to challenge us in this season to be bold. I believe Jesus is speaking to us. He's not angry with us. He's drawing himself. He's drawing us to himself. And I believe that our restoration story is ripe to help reap a harvest in this season. Your restoration story is going to make a difference in someone else's life, absolutely. And I just want to challenge you. We're going to reprise this song. Is that okay? And uh, it takes us saying, okay, God, I'm not my own. You can use me. So this is what I want us to do all across this place. Certainly you can come and we'll pray with you. We want to we we'll lay our hands on you and, and uh, pray with you. And uh, But In regards to just a total surrender, let's just lift our hands to the Lord and just in your own words, say, Lord, you can have my life. I'm not my own. Help me to be bold. Help me to be consistent. Help me to be holy for you. And help me, Lord, to use my story. You can take it all. our students in our gateway youth ministry he actually preached this last wednesday night Uh, he's got a call of god on his life he wants to be a missionary and uh, lord order your steps but he's got a word for us and uh, from god's word and then wants to apply that and as he shared it with me i I said man we got to share that Uh, this is for
1: a few few of us here so yeah so um, just kind of during the whole sermon and worship and everything, the Lord just kind of put this verse on my heart, and it says, I now rejoice that you were made sorrowful, but that you were made sorrowful to the point of repentance. For you were made sorrowful according to the will of God, so that you might not suffer loss in anything through us. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation. But the sorrow of the world produces death. And, I mean, kind of thought of Judas and how he was sorrowful because he was sorrowful in his selfishness because of what he had done to the point of where he you know literally killed himself and you know he died um and I feel like there's a lot of people and I know personally a lot of people that are just sad a lot and sad like oh I keep messing up it's and they're just sorrowful over their sin but then they stay there and they don't, they don't come to the realization, they don't come to the point that the reason that they're sad, the reason that they're sorrowful is because of the Lord, and it's the will of God that they're actually sad, to lead them closer to who God is, closer to who they want Him to be, instead of just sitting in that in that sadness and in, in where they're at. And so, I mean, if that's where you're at this morning, I would just encourage you to let that lead you towards the Lord, let that lead you to a closer... Their closeness with who God is. Awesome. The other verse that comes to
0: mind, I don't know where it is exactly, but it says, the kindness of the Lord leads us to repentance. The Lord, He doesn't come after us with a big sledgehammer and two by four, although sometimes two by four ministry sounds pretty good. I'm just saying. But He comes to us in kindness and he just He's a loving Father and He gives us opportunity. And again, uh, this morning, it's about repentance. It's about uh, giving our hearts back to the Lord. And I know there were a lot of hands earlier, and maybe you didn't raise your hand. Maybe, uh, maybe you're just here in this moment, and you're saying, man, uh, you know, God is getting a hold of your heart. I pray that your heart will be soft towards the Lord. ask the Lord to forgive you, to set your feet on a solid rock. Does it mean your life is going to be perfect? Absolutely not. In fact, it's really a call to sacrifice. And living a Christian life, it's not easy. I'm going to ask Ryan, if you would, close us in prayer. And then uh, maybe the worship team, maybe Mary, you can just play for a little bit and we'll to linger, uh, you certainly can in the presence of God. Um, And so when we do dismiss after Ryan says uh, amen, uh, we'll go quietly. We can talk in the lobby, of course, but let's just remain in a presence of prayer and worship.
1: And make us new and make us whole in who you are, God. Thank you for who you are, God. Thank you, Lord, I ask that as we go today, as we go and live our life, we would we would not go and live it for ourselves. We would fix our eyes on you, and everything we do would be done, would be done for you, God. Lord, thank you for surrounding us. I ask that you would be with us every step of the way, leading us closer and closer to you.
0: for us, behind us, and around us. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. Go quietly. If the worship team are at least married, if you could just play for a few minutes, and uh, we'll linger here. If anyone needs prayer, we'd love to pray for you. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church